0: Welcome to the Bethel Church Austin Sermon of the Week. We hope you enjoy this sermon by Pastor Eddie Tate. For more information about this podcast and other resources, please visit BethelATX.com. Hello, family. Hello. So good. So good. Worship was beautiful. Just, I love getting into the presence and just realigning myself with the priorities that are that are supposed to be there, just aligning myself, focused on him, focused on his presence, really just letting go of everything else and allowing him to become everything my heart, my voice, my posture is attuned to. So, yeah. Well, let me start off and pray tonight. Um, I've got so many things that are stirring in my heart, and I'm going to share from... Some kind of personal things I've been going through the last few weeks. And um, I want to make sure I stay on track so I may be referencing my notes quite a bit just to make sure that I keep this concise for everyone. But Father, I just thank you for tonight, God. I thank you for everyone that's tuned in, for everyone that's listening, God. I thank you that they're they're not here by accident. They didn't just come upon something or just choose to take some time. But there is a purpose for their hearing what you want to say tonight, God. And Father, I pray that your love, that your presence would fill every word out of my mouth, God, that you would actually minister to the deepest parts of our innermost being, God, and let us be touched and transformed by everything that you would have for us in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, you know, we've been in a pretty crazy season the last several weeks, and um Things are starting to lift. Things are starting to change slowly for some, more rapidly for others. But just reflecting on kind of where we've been, and just talking to some people, and I, I I've heard a lot of people mention this. I can't wait for things to get back to normal. And. It's not going to get back to normal. There is no normal to return to. We have a new normal because God is doing something continuous. He's not bringing us back to something old. He's actually bringing us forward into something new. And and it's not wrong for people to desire things to level set and for things to actually feel more appropriate for their comfort level but you don't want to focus on things of the past and you don't want to focus on returning back to something that was when God has promised so much for something that's coming. And, you know, I was reflecting on the story of Moses and just, you know, in the story of Moses with the Israelites, he started by bringing them out of Egypt and just taking them towards the land that God had promised. And as they're going, you know, provision was coming in so many different ways, you know, cloud by day, fire by night, giving them direction, giving them a, a, a way to know that he is with them and that they were going the right way. But then they come to the, the Red Sea, and they, they begin to see the Egyptians coming behind them. And there's this whole thing that starts to happen where they actually look back and see the armies at their back. And they begin to see what was and how bad things were but how those bad things are actually catching up to them. And God actually provided a way. He parted the Red Sea. And you're never going to have direction for your life if you're looking back at damaged or broken times. You're never going to have a direction for your life if you're constantly looking back. And are are you actually looking at the waters that are parting before you or the wheels of the chariot behind you? What are, where is your focus? What are you focused on? What are you actually putting your attention towards? Is it what's ahead of you or what's behind you? And we can't allow ourselves to, just in this time and in the season, to, to regret, to actually look back and ponder or to desire things that once were. And I found myself in that place a little bit in the last couple of weeks where I've kind of said, God, I just, I want this again. And there's nothing wrong with that, but when my desire for things that were outweigh my dev- my desire or my focus on things that are or are going to be, I actually limit myself from stepping into the invitation of God for what's next, and I don't want to let myself do that. And I caught myself doing that, so that's where some of this is coming from. Um, another part is you know they come into the wilderness and you know long time in the wilderness, long time in the wilderness, and they begin to complain about what their situation was, and and this is a voice I've kind of heard permeating through people groups and society, and I'm not saying anyone specific, but a lot of people are talking about, well, things were better then. And the, the the Israelites even started to say, but when we were slaves in Egypt, at least we had bread. And they began to justify their horrible circumstances by the little bit that they had that they may not have had in their current situation. And when you look at the idea that what was was a better provision than what is, you're missing out on what God's actually doing. But God loved them so much, he still came through and he provided, and he came through with manna, and they had their bread. But I'll tell you, one of the biggest things that I saw in this story is that they actually didn't remember the promise because of their circumstances. They actually forgot that it was a promised land that they were told they were being given. And they forgot about it because their circumstances were hard, and they began to make decisions for themselves, and they began to say, God, your invitation for what you've promised isn't okay. I'm going to take control, and I'm going to actually get through this. And I don't want in my life to remove the invitation from God's promise because my circumstances look so big that I begin to lose sight of what he's given me. You know, God's not just waiting in the promised land. He's actually with you in the wilderness. He's not just standing at the destination saying, I told you I'd be here waiting for you. He's right next to you saying, we can make this. We can do this. I know you may not see what I see, but I know where I'm taking you. Isn't it good that God is such a loving God that when he makes a promise to you, he never goes back on it. And all of us have received promises. All of us know that God has actually spoken to us in our lives, either through prophetic words, through the word of God, through just times of worship where you just felt this yearning and unction from the Lord. All of us have received promises from heaven. Those promises will never be forsaken. And you can't allow your circumstances to outweigh the invitation of the promise that he's put before you. Thank you, Father. You know, it took 40 years for them to finally get out of the wilderness. 40 years. And most of them didn't even make it to the promised land. Most of them never got to see the land that was promised. Why? They were complaining. They were so stuck in the circumstances and so purposed to take control of their situation that they actually missed out on the promise, but their generations after were able to receive. Because the promise was that the... the, the Israelites would have a promised land. Certain people missed out because of their heart position and because of their focus on what was promised. You know, if you're complaining about where you are right now, you're going to stay there. It's a scary thought. That my complaints about my bad situation are actually the thing that keep me in my bad situation. Wow, that means I'm empowered to actually move out of bad situations by not complaining but actually, coming to them with thanksgiving, with worship, with praise. You know, when you trust God and you praise Him and you have thanksgiving in your heart, it allows you to actually progress forward. It allows you to actually move out of certain circumstances. Now, does that mean that when something bad's going on, you praise the bad thing? No. It just means when things are going on around you, you praise him that is good, him that promises good things. He's a good God. He has good things in store for you. So you praise him. You acknowledge him. You give your thankfulness to him outside and regardless of the circumstance. And what it does is it propels you through those circumstances. Those who complain, remain. Those who celebrate, accelerate. I don't want to remain where I am. I want to accelerate to where he's taking me. You know, you can't look at where you are. You need to look at the path that's set before you. And I love, I love in Psalms, Psalms 119, I love Psalms 119, 105. It says, your word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. And that's really where a lot of this message came from. I was reading in the Psalms and that just jumped out at me in that moment And I thought, wow, how focused am I on the light on my feet to where my focus is so, my head is down looking at my circumstances that I've actually forgotten that there's another portion of that which is the light to my path. Am I so focused on what's going on that I've forsaken what's actually planned? And in John 1, it it says, in the beginning was the Word. And the Word was with God and the Word was God. So when it says, your word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path, God is the lamp to your feet and the light to your path. His word is how we understand and get direction, but God himself is the light propelling us forward into what's planned, what's promised. God is the lamp to our feet, the light to our path. And we access this by reading the word, by worshiping, by praying, by just getting in his presence, by allowing our focus to actually so become aware of him that circumstances fall out. It's like when you bring something into focus, everything else begins to blur when that thing comes into focus. Where's my focus? On all the things around or the thing that I'm supposed to be looking at? On his presence. Thank you, Jesus. Oh, man. Okay, now I'm starting to get a little, whoo, starting to feel some. Oh, Jesus. Father, I just thank you, God. I thank you for your presence. In fact, right now, God, I thank you that you are actually touching some people, that this word is not meant to be a condemning word. It's actually meant to be an invitation. It's not supposed to bring conviction. It's supposed to bring enlightenment, God. And Father, I thank you that right now, even in people's homes, in, in wherever they are, I actually sense that there are people experiencing this touch of his presence that's actually saying, do you hear the invitation in my voice? I am still bigger than all of your circumstances, and I have given you a promise, and I'm waiting for you to actually see me standing right next to you so that we can walk through this thing together and get to the place I've shown you. Father, I thank you that people right now are actually becoming aware of the promise, aware of your presence. God, I pray that this wouldn't just be an encounter, but this would be a decision. That there would be transformational decisions that we begin to realign ourselves. We begin to change our patterns, God. That we actually allow ourselves to reset our hearts, our minds, and even our words to edify and glorify you so that things around us begin to bow to the name of Jesus. Thank you, Father. Yeah, Jesus' name. Wow, thank you, Father. Okay, fire, God's coming. Glasses glasses are fogging up. This is good. I need the wind of God now, the wind of God. Okay, you know, the lamp to our feet is actually for discernment. When we look at what the lamp to our feet is, it's for discernment. It's to actually highlight and expose all of the situation around us so that we understand how God's influence is in those places. The lamp to our feet is the discernment of God and the revelation and wisdom that can only come from heavenly places. The light to our path is our faith and our hope and our trust. You know, it's the things that a lot of times when we think of faith, it's, you know, the the evidence of things that are hoped for but not yet seen. But the light is also vision. It actually shows you where to go. It's not just unseen things. The end result may be unseen or unknown, but he's giving you direction. He's giving you guidance. He's showing you how to actually pursue and take each step down a path that he's highlighted so you know where you're supposed to go. He's a good God, and he has good things for us. You know, Jeremiah 29, 11, you know it's a famous verse. All of us probably know that verse, but I love when you continue to read through a little bit because it actually doesn't just tell us the promise. It tells us how to access the promise. And it says, For I know the thoughts that I think towards you, says the Lord, thoughts of peace and not of evil, to give you a hope and a future. Then you will call upon me and go and pray to me, and I will listen to you. You know, isn't it beautiful that you can never pray a prayer that he doesn't hear? And you can never pray and have something not happen. Every prayer has something happen because God hears you. And you will seek me and find me when you search for me with all your heart. He didn't just give us hope. He didn't just give us a promise. He actually gave us how to get there. When all of your heart begins to seek him, you'll find him which means he's never hidden from us in a place that we cannot find him. You know, there've been times in my life where I'm like, God, where are you? And I don't necessarily feel him in that moment, but I trust in his word. I trust in his promise that he says he'll never leave me nor forsake me and that his presence is inside of me and upon me. So whether I feel it or not, whether I know it or not in that moment, I trust that he is so close and so near. It's like the breath in my own lungs. And when all of my heart's attention begins to turn and yearn for him, I find him because his promise says I will. He not only shows us where we are, but he shows us where we're going. Isaiah 42.9, actually. Yeah, Isaiah 42.9. Wow, pretty good. Isaiah 42.9. Behold, the former things have come to pass and new things I declare. Before they spring up, I will tell you of them. God's spoken to us so many times. We often know what he's spoken, but don't actually equate it to our circumstance so we actually miss out on what he's saying. But the reality is he's already spoken things. New things I declare, I've already spoken them to you. If you haven't heard him, Read the word. It's clear how he's speaking. Spend time in worship. Have an encounter with the presence that actually lets you hear his voice, see his plan, and feel his nudge and his, his guiding hand. You know, for me, sometimes God needs to be a little abrupt, but I feel like God just likes to come alongside us and put his hand on our back, and he just walks with us. You know, I've, I've told my kids this. I've told other people this. For me, my God is much more of a no God than a yes God. And I know that sounds really funny, but he doesn't always have to tell me yes because I trust him and he trusts me. But he's such a good loving father that when he sees me stepping into a place that could harm me, he says, no, don't go there. You know, God is never going to let you fall into a place that you can't recover from. And he's never going to let you fall into a place that he's not already there with you. See, sometimes we stumble and fall and we think, oh, I've now separated myself from God and he's lying there next to you going, I'll never leave you nor forsake you. When you stumble, I'm there next to you because I'm gonna stand up with you. And my promise is never going to become something that I don't follow through with. So even when I fall away or feel I fall away, he's never changed his mind. He's never changed his purpose. He's never changed his promise. He's gonna be there with me and he's gonna get me to where I'm supposed to be. Thank you, Father. God has given you a promise. You are the salt of the earth. You are the light to the world. You are the light in the darkness. You have the kingdom of God not only inside of you, but upon you. There is nothing withheld from you. What a revelation. I mean, I wish I could grasp that statement that I just made, which is the truth. Nothing is withheld from me. Oh God. There are mysteries of heaven that I do not yet know and they should stay that way because I'm not ready to know all things. But nothing's withheld because as I seek him, he'll actually let me in on those secrets. Sometimes in our society of instant gratification, you get a prophetic word and it's like, well, it didn't happen. It must not be true. You know, prophetic words can be 40, 50 generational words. Our society has gotten to such a, I want it, I click it, I buy it, it ships. We're getting used to a little bit of a delay right now, which maybe is a preparation for God saying, oh, are you learning that there's sometimes some time in my answers? But the reality is he always comes through. It's not just the prophetic words. Sometimes it's like, God, I'm praying for this and I didn't see it and I'm losing hope. If my hope is based on the answer, I've actually put my hope in the wrong place. My hope should be in the one that answers, not the answer. Let's realign ourselves to actually focus on Him. Not having an expectation or parameters on how it's going to look in my timelines and what I think is right, but the expectancy that God is good and He's got good things planned and He's going to come through. You know, I make the joke sometimes. I've heard so many times people say, God comes through in the 11th hour. My God's more like a 1.30 God. Noon is past. I've thought, well, I guess it's not going to happen. And then it comes through in a way I never expected, in a way I didn't have planned, in a way that didn't make sense, and it's always better than what I would have gotten it if I'd have gotten it my way. You know, I love the fact that God is always going to look out for something that's going to bless me more than the way I would have done it myself. Thank you, Father. You know, I really want to focus on that part of it, that in this time, you know, I found myself reflecting on some things that I, I was missing, and, and not in a bad way, but also not necessarily in a fully healthy way. I was reflecting on things that, man, I wish, I wish we were still able to do this. But I, when I did that, I actually was losing sight of the blessing of the things I have now the extra time with my family, the extra time with God, the actual reprioritizing of me and what I hold valuable. You know, I love how it's, a, I have nothing against entertainment or sports or anything like that, but I love how society is actually shifting to where heroes right now are our nurses and our teachers. Why? Because our priorities and our focus is saying, wow, we may not have actually realized what they actually have been doing for us. We didn't understand the value. And, 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 not that I'm against one or for another more, but I love how all of our perspectives are having a little bit of a shifting right now. But in my own life, I needed to make sure, God, don't allow me to focus on things that aren't. Don't allow me to f- focus on the lack. But let me see the blessing of what is, the abundance of what you've brought, the blessing of what is now. You know, a couple of weeks ago, I realized I was starting to complain and Not feel as connected, and what I started to do, and this is really my encouragement for you, is I started to allow myself to accelerate into the busyness and try to catch up on things that I'd been missing out on. And what I realized I was doing is I started to take away the blessing of time that God had given me, and and put it back on my past. I said, I've got to catch up on things that I've missed out on instead of. Really allowing that time to be put into the things that I have. Psalm thirty thirty seven four. This is one of my favorite verses of the Bible, because I think this verse has so many depths and measures that it's hard to actually sum it up as just a statement. But it says, Delight yourself in the Lord, and he shall give you the desires of your heart. It's such a good reminder. That when all of our focus and our, our, our attention and our delight, which is really, where's your heart's attention being given? When I delight in the Lord, he will give me the desires of my heart. See, I honestly look back at that story with the Israelites, and I think they began to see the desires of their hearts and take hold of them themselves and say, I'm going to focus on my heart's desires. And they forsake the promise. Whereas if they delighted in him, he would have given them those things. See, there's a beautiful thing in God that whenever you put your attention towards him, everything else gets taken care of. He actually takes care of the little things if you're focused on the big thing. We can get so caught up trying to make sure that we get everything taken care of that we fit him into a slot with everything else. Whereas when I put my attention to him first, he reprioritizes my slots and they all get done anyway. You know, we've had more time to pray and to worship and spend with our kids, more time to get in the word. You know, I've, I've loved the challenges of time that we seem to have. It's like, oh, well, what else can we do that we didn't do in the past? But I've had the conversations with my family that I don't want to do anything now that we can't maintain. I don't want to just do something for the sake of doing it. I want to actually create some patterns and some priorities in our lives that actually remain after things shift and lift in their fullness. Let's not let the temptation of going back to normal or catching up on the busyness take away from the priorities of what's been given to us right now. You know, we're establishing things in this season, establishing things in this time that should be, that they should be standards that we have reset in our lives, that our life lives from those standards going forward. That they're not seasons, they're standards. I don't want to let myself enjoy something now because of a circumstance and then change it when things begin to return to some sense of quote unquote normal. You know, things are progressing. Things are going to be different going forward. I don't want to allow myself to fall back into bad habits or into bad patterns or things that have kept me farther from where I'm supposed to be. I don't want the lamp to my feet to become so much my focus that I forget that there's a light to my path. You know, Matthew 6, seek first the kingdom of God and all these things will be given to you. Focus on Him. Every aspect of what we're doing, every aspect of where we're going, every aspect of the little things in our life are going to be taken care of by Him when we actually seek the kingdom first. Don't worry about the other things. When your priorities are right and you're praying kingdom prayers, when you're praying for the kingdom in your life, there's an overflow over everything else around you and all of your other priorities. I really, I really want to encourage us to make sure that as things are lifting and things begin to shift forward again, there's going to be a lot of changes. People are going to experience radical changes and subtle changes. And there's going to be a temptation to react and take a hold and control and actually get back to being where we were. And there's going to be a scramble for some people to, I've got to catch up. I've got to make up for lost time. I've got to make up for lost money. I've got to make up for lost whatever. Don't fall into the temptation of going backwards. Don't fall into the temptation of allowing yourself to get swept up in the current of busyness and forsake the enjoyment that we're in right now. I I love how I remember when my wife and I were first married, we were so busy, we We're so busy. We didn't have time for hardly anything. And then we had our first child. And oh, we, we, now we're really busy. We're, we're really, really busy now. Then we had our next child. Oh my gosh, okay, I can't imagine things getting busier than this. And then we'd meet a newly married couple and they're like, oh, we're just so busy. We're like, <laughs> you're not that busy. And then we had our thir- third girl. And then our fourth child. And then our fifth child. And looking back, it's like, wow, I was really never that busy. It was all a priority. Because when I needed time, I had it. When I needed to focus on certain things, I could. As busy as I was, I would have never, with two kids, thought that five was possible. But when I had five, I didn't ignore them. I didn't say, well, I just don't have time for you. I have these other things that are more important. No, I was able to prioritize because I was in control of me and my schedule and the time that I have. And sometimes we can get caught up in the temptation or the belief system that we're so busy, we just don't have time for something. I feel like this season has been an eye-opener and it's actually allowed us to say we have more time than we realized we're, we've been able to prioritize things that are really important. And our holding on to those truths into this new normal is so critical. And what's going to happen is you are going to see an aspect of God flourish in your life and promises come forth that you never knew were possible because your priorities were in the pl- right place. And the people around you and the people in your life are going to say, what is it that you're doing? you're happier than you've ever been. You're more productive than you've ever been. You seem to have more time in the day than any of us have. How do you do it? It's because when my focus is on the kingdom, he takes care of everything else. So let me just pray for you. And let me just encourage you that let's just go into this time, this this reopening of society, so to speak. And let's not let it be, oh, things are gonna get back to where they were. Let, it's, let it be this, I've established the standards in my life that are going to allow me to step into this new opening, more equipped to actually conquer my circumstances and to thrive forward and accelerate through to the promises of God. So Father, I just thank you. I thank you for your word. I thank you for your truths. God, I thank you that you have given us all the truth we need in your word. And I thank you, God, that your, presence, that your presence is so tangible and so evident, and it confirms every word that you've written. God, I thank you that your word confirms every encounter that I've had. I thank you that they're not separated. They're two aspects of who you are. And God, I thank you that in, in this season, I've been able to actually turn my gaze to you and my family and the things that are truly important in a way I could not have done in my previous circumstances. So thank you, God, for allowing me in this time to actually find the gold nuggets that were buried in what seemed to be a pile of dirt. But God, let me not forsake this time. Let me not forsake those nuggets. Let me not actually revert back to an old lifestyle. But let me carry this standard that has been established in my life forward into this new season this reopening of society, God, let me actually be a pillar of light. Let me be a standard that people look upon and go, how are you thriving so well in this new life, in this new season? And I can, I can draw their attention to your eyes, God. And as I draw people's attention to you, Father, they begin to see the promises that have been spoken to them. And I pray that the people around me would just be drawn into your presence, God, drawn into your comfort, drawn into your security, God, and that they would have encounters that would actually shift shift and shape their lives. God, I pray that you would continue to encounter me so that I can have an encounter with other people so that they can have an encounter with you. I just thank you, God, for everything you're doing. In Jesus' name.